Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. It was the summer of 2005. A friend of mine, Wayne, and I decided to spend the day fishing at Upper Swagger Lake in the Lost River Mountain Range of Idaho. Visited mostly by locals, this alpine lake is tucked up on the ridge overseeing two long dry canyons on opposite sides. It sits just at the top of the tree line, providing an uninhibited view of the sky and surrounding mountain peaks. The fishing is usually pretty good, if you like golden trout that is. Personally, I hate trout, they just taste like mud, but I do love fishing and some of the best, most secluded lake fishing can be found on these high Idaho lakes. Getting to the lake is not an easy task though. It's a 100 mile journey over a lonely highway from the region's largest town, Idaho Falls. When you hit the dirt road turn off, there are miles of four wheel driving up the canyon to the hiking trail. Once at the trailhead, it's a two mile or 1000 foot vertical gain hike up to the lake. But when you finally arrive, surrounded by the bald peaks of the Little Lost Range, it is well worth the effort. So, arriving at the lake at around noon, we spent the day fishing, relaxing and chatting. Far down in the canyon, out of sight from us, we continually heard periodic loud blasts. Growing up in the rural US, you get accustomed to people target shooting in public land. And that's what we concluded was happening below us. From the sheer thunderousness, we guessed that it was a larger caliber muzzle-loading rifle. The blasts were paced out long enough, though, that they had to be manually reloading their guns. The shots reverberated and echoed throughout the canyon, though. Whoever was down there 
was definitely having a bit of fun with their rifle. Unperturbed by the cacophony down in the canyon, we continued fishing, only momentarily reminded of the explosions as they continued to occur throughout the day. The fishing was actually really great that day, and the day just seemed to really flash by us. But before we knew it, the sun was cresting on the mountains, and so we headed back to camp for the night. Wayne had caught his limit towards the end of the day while I had been releasing mine. We settled down at the campfire and we watched the sun sink behind the mountain peaks as Wayne cooked his muddy fish up. It was twilight now and aside from the crackling of the fire, it was a quiet evening. The sky was absolutely clear and we watched as the stars twinkled into existence in the sky. Our relaxation, though, was interrupted by yet another one of those thunderous explosions, only this time it was much closer to us. That was weird. Target shooting is extremely dangerous at night. Whoever was down there in the canyon was being pretty irresponsible. Wayne nudged me with his elbow and motioned for me to look in the direction of the sound that the last explosion came from. And while not directly visible to us, there was a light down in the mountain. It was illuminating the whole canyon. From the angle of the tree shadows, we could see the source of the light was not at ground level too. It was actually up high in the air and it seemed to be moving. We watched in bewildered silence as the light moved up the canyon. We still could not get a direct line of sight of it. There was another blast that seemed to shake my skull this time. The light in the canyon flashed almost a hundred times brighter than before. We could absolutely not make sense of anything that was happening at this point. As we sat there though, unsure of what to do, the light rose upwards out of the canyon. As it crested the trees and continued to rise, we could finally get a direct look at this thing. It was a brilliant ball of like yellow golden light. Getting a size estimate was difficult, but I figured it was between maybe 20 to 40 feet in diameter. The light rose silently above the canyon and then above our elevation at the lake. It stopped several hundred feet above the surrounding landscape and just stayed there. The object's surface shimmered and danced as we watched it. Little feathers of sparks would periodically jump away from the object and fall down towards the trees below. Wayne looked at me and... All I could do was shrug my shoulders and give him a I have no idea look. After a few minutes though, the ball's surface stopped dancing. It was completely still in the air above us. No sound, no movement. With no warning, it exploded in a deafening shower of sparks and blinding light. Wayne and I instinctively jumped into the dirt and covered our heads. The light was so bright that I felt I could see through my closed eyelids. The explosion shook everything around us as well. I could feel the shock resonate in the ground beneath me. It was like the world was coming undone at the seams. Then, all of a sudden, everything was absolutely silent and dark. The whole event could have only been a handful of seconds long, but it felt like hours. When we looked up into the sky, the ball of light was now gone. We were left alone in just the dim light of the stars. Picking myself up out of the dirt, all I could say to Wayne was, what in the heck was that all about? 
He chuckled nervously but didn't reply. We surveyed the camp and the surrounding area. Nothing seemed damaged or disturbed. There were no signs of fires that were started from the explosion. In fact, it was like nothing out of the ordinary had happened. The one thing that was off, though, was the time. It was late twilight when the light exploded above us, but my watch was showing two o'clock in the morning now. Further baffling us was Wayne's fish. They were now charred cinders above a bed of red coals that was once our campfire. Now, I'm well aware of the phenomenon of missing time, but that was just not possible. The stupid thing exploded. We hit the dirt and then when we picked ourselves up, I don't know, it couldn't have been more than a couple of minutes from the explosion to us getting up like that. I didn't have the mental capacity to process what had happened. I headed to my tent and I went right to sleep. It was a deep dreamless sleep that night and when I awoke in the morning, the sun was illuminating the tent. Wayne was already up and fishing. I asked him about his thoughts on what happened last night and he simply shrugged and said, it either didn't happen or we saw something that we probably shouldn't have. It's that or Marvin the Martian tried to kill us or something. We fished for a few hours that morning, then decided against camping another night at the lake. We packed up camp and we hiked down to our vehicle. This happened almost 20 years ago now and I've been back to that lake several times over the years. I've never seen or heard anything like what we saw that night again. I don't have an explanation for what happened and... To be honest, I really don't believe that we ever will. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This happened in New South Wales, Australia, in the late 70s or early 80s. I can't remember exactly, but it was well before I was born. So back in those days, people used to hitchhike a lot. My mum and her friend, they were heading into Sydney to party and so they wandered along the road with their thumbs out until they got a ride. Mum sat in the back, her friend in the front, and the guy who picked them up seemed friendly enough, chatty and polite, and he was happy to drive them into Sydney. It wasn't until they noticed the car was heading the wrong way that things took a turn. They were not going towards the city, but heading deeper into the forest. The driver had now gone silent too. Finally, one too many turns had been taken in the wrong direction, 
It was palpably obvious that they were not heading into Sydney, so one of them was like, What the heck is going on? Where are you taking us? He broke his silence then just to say, You just shut up and sit there. You're going where I take you. What he didn't realize was that in spite of being a small and pretty woman, my mum, well, she was my mum, and she was sitting behind him. She took her pocket knife out of her bag, unfolded it, reached through and put the blade very firmly against his throat, and she said in his ear, If you even try to touch my hand, I will kill you. Turn this car around right now and drive us into Sydney. He didn't say a word. He just turned the car around and drove towards the city, and my mum sat up and kept that blade pressed against his throat right up until the minute that he pulled over, and then her and her friend got out of the car. And when she got out of the car, he drove away quickly. I live in Australia and we don't have much woodlands here besides a few that span on for a couple of hundred acres or so. Nothing like what Americans have. And when I was younger, I get lost in these uh, woods a lot I guess. And sometimes even sleep in them for a couple of days at most surviving of fish and creek water. I never had any creepy encounters besides this one time. So I was about 10 years old and just like I do at least once every two or three years... I had gotten lost in the woods again. I was completely fine during the day as I had eaten an hour prior to realizing that I had no idea where I was. So I had the old, oh no moment, here we go again, and decided to walk around to find some sticks to make a little fire. I knew a lot about outdoor survival as my family went camping a lot, and I watched videos on YouTube all the time since it interested me and I love the woods. I had set a fire up as it started getting dark and was about to put out my fire before I saw a small deer on the tree line, just nearly out of range of my fire's light. It was staring at me, which gave me an odd feeling, but I just went, ah, a little deer, and waved to it. The deer scurried off into a bush behind it, and I couldn't see it anymore. But then I heard this really weird noise, like twigs snapping and... All of a sudden, a much larger deer came out of the same bush that I just saw the small one jump into. At this point, I knew something was off, so I stood up and stared at the deer as it stared back at me, and I was mentally preparing myself for the idea that this thing, it may run at me. I was a kid back then, and I mean, what am I supposed to think? The deer started walking a bit towards me, and I sort of backed up a little bit, crouched down, but... As the deer kept getting closer and I kept backing up, I looked down and realized that this thing had a hoof directly in the fire and wasn't reacting to it at all. This obviously creeped me out a lot. I mean, his fur was burning and it was starting to burn its skin, but it just wasn't reacting. I immediately set off bolting at this, but I heard it running after me. Well, not really running, but fast enough to keep up with my little legs. I came over this small hill and jumped down into a bush to try and hide from it. And that's when it happened. The scariest thing that I've ever seen, and I remember it vividly. The deer's silhouette against the moonlight appeared, and as I stared at the deer, 
it let out this blood-curdling call that I have never heard from another animal before, and all of a sudden the silhouette started caving in on itself. I could sort of hear its bones snapping and flesh ripping, and this thing just kept getting smaller and smaller, and then suddenly it got much bigger, and I closed my eyes because I just couldn't watch it anymore. When I opened them, there was what appeared to be a man standing where the deer stood, or at least the silhouette of a man. He was looking around and then started calling out in his creepy, almost distorted voice, hello, and he repeated this for about 10 minutes while I just sat there in silence, refusing to answer whatever the heck stood just a couple of meters above me. The man then just walked off into the trees and I heard that same awful snapping noise before it eventually faded away. Obviously, I didn't sleep that night. In fact, I stayed in that bush the rest of the night terrified that this thing could still be lurking around the area, waiting for me to appear again. Once the morning came, I walked in a straight line until I reached a road that I recognized, and then I just ran home. I never did tell my family about this, as I feared I wouldn't be taken seriously, but I was completely terrified. In fact, I haven't been into the woods since that day, and I always just stayed home when my family went camping after begging them not to go. I'm 21 now, that incident was like 10 to 11 years ago, and I still remember that silhouette and the noise of the bones snapping. I've done tons of research, and... My only conclusion to what happened is that I narrowly escaped a, a skinwalker. It was a horrific night and it's something that I don't like to retell often. But if anyone has any other explanation as to what this could have been, then please do tell me because I would love to have my mind put at ease. This is a story that I still get chills looking back on, and for two of our dogs, honestly, they saved our lives that night and they deserve some recognition. So this whole thing happened when I was maybe 12. I'm nearly 17 now. Me and my sister, who was 14 or 15 at the time, were staying home alone while our parents were at my little brother's hockey game. We lived in a fairly safe neighborhood, hardly anything ever happened, everybody knew everybody, and almost everybody got along pretty well and liked each other, so we felt safe as we didn't have a reason not to really. Our front door was locked, our back door was locked, but our side door didn't lock at that time because it was broken, but no one ever used it anyways, so my dad hadn't gotten around to fixing it yet. Me and my sister, we were in the living room watching TV and doing homework when we heard the fence outside of our house making some noise. It sort of sounded like someone had jumped over the fence. So my sister looked through the blinds and sure enough, someone had jumped the fence. Two people actually and they were dressed in mostly black with like a hospital mask over their faces. We freaked out and we hid in between the couches in the living room when we heard the front doorknob wiggle, of course, it was locked, so it didn't open. But we knew that whoever it was would go to the side door next, and that one would open. In that moment, I was the most terrified that I had ever been. 
but once the door handle started jiggling loud enough that my dogs had woken up, at that time I had a toaster and a Rottweiler. Once one started barking, so did the other one, and eventually it was just absolute pure beautiful chaos. That was also when we heard them scream, they've got dogs. Then we heard the fence make the same noise again, as if someone jumped over it. Later that night, a local gas station near my house got robbed by two armed men, and the news report showed the same people that we had seen, same outfits and everything, except this time we got to see their faces. Our dogs truly may have saved our lives that night. The funny thing is that our dogs are the biggest lovers. They may be loud and bark, but they wouldn't bite or attack, well, anybody. This was the one time, though, that I was very glad that these dog breeds are associated with being quite scary and aggressive, because clearly they scared off whoever wanted to break in that night. I've been working as a property agent in the UK for the past eight years, selling and renting all sorts of property. And over the years, I've had a few experiences that I couldn't quite explain, and I thought that I would share one of them. So this story happened around November of 2018. I remember because earlier that day, a colleague and I had started filming that year's Christmas videos to go on our company's social media. Each year, we'd recreate a scene of a Christmas movie, and that year was the dance scene from Love Actually. Anyway... I'd been asked by my manager to go and take a photo of a house that we'd just been given the go-ahead on the rent. The house was a three-bedroom grade two-listed mid-terrace from around the 16th century. For anyone not knowing, a grade two-listed property basically means that it's old and has a lot of original features that can't be changed without special permissions. This was the first time that we'd let the property for the landlord and the tenant before we later found out that he had left the property while still in the contract, but within the first six months. Now, I knew something wasn't right as soon as I set foot in the property. Everyone gets times when the vibes were off, and I'm not someone who claims to be in touch with their spiritual side or anything, but the atmosphere when I went in was just downright hostile. I was already a little spooked, but... I had a job to do, so I opened up a playlist on Spotify, hit shuffle, and started turning the lights on. I have a bit of a system when photographing a property too. Lights on, photograph, measure the room, lights off. The house was your standard layout too. Living room, kitchen, dining room downstairs, three bedrooms and bathroom upstairs, with another flight of stairs up to the loft, attic for my American friends. The downstairs I did just fine, trying to ignore the bad vibes by singing along to my probably ABBA or something that I don't remember. But what I do remember though is my trip upstairs. As soon as my foot hit the first step, this overwhelming urge that something was wrong surged through my body. I started singing louder trying to distract myself and another few steps up, I was hit with another surge of fear I tell myself that the upstairs must have been in some sort of dead zone because it was at this stage that my phone decided that the songs that it had no problem playing 10 minutes ago suddenly needed buffering, meaning that my ABBA was now playing in fits and starts. 
I fought against my body to get up to the top of the stairs and when I did, my eyes were drawn to the door to the attic stairs, which lay ajar and as soon as I did, I was done for. The room beyond the doorway was cloaked in darkness due to the lack of lights being turned on and the fear that was pushing through my body just took over me. I stood there, paralyzed. I couldn't even blink or take my eyes off of the shadows that lay beyond the doorway. My lungs became like cement as I struggled to catch my breath, my words now breathless. I stood there for what felt like an hour before my phone started to ring. It was the office. We have office protocol to check in if we've been longer than expected. I fumbled to find the answer button, eyes still fixed to the darkness. I hit answer and managed to struggle out a help. This house was walking distance to the office so it wasn't long before my colleague arrived to check up on me. As soon as I heard his voice call out my name, I felt the weight lift immediately and I cried out his name in response. I ran downstairs to meet him and the music returned far too loud which gave us both a bit of a shock. We both got out of there and not even checking if the door was locked properly. It was one of those Yale locks that auto lock when you pull them so it was fine. We headed back to the office. On the walk back I noticed a, a pain shooting across my neck though and when we got back to the office I checked to see three long scratches running diagonally across my back. This made absolutely no sense to me. I explained what had happened to the others in the office and my manager told us that she had had a similar feeling when she met the landlord. Maybe because she was with someone it wasn't as scary but after that we made sure that whenever we visited that property that we were always accompanied. I'm not sure what actually happened to that house in the end. Surprise surprise we struggled to find people who could live in that bad vibe house and the landlord gave it another agent to try and sell in the end. Not long after I moved to another company as well and onto other properties, which I was grateful for. Like I said, I've had other experiences too, but this was definitely the scariest, and perhaps the strangest too with the scratches appearing just like that. Maybe one day I'll share the other stories if people are interested, but in any case, thanks for listening. During the fires that consumed Mount Charleston, Nevada, my parents drove out to the mountain when the roads were clear. They described the wildlife to be running around the car as they drove through the open road. My dad told my mum to stop the car and he got out and started walking through the desert. He realizes that the wilderness is running, including snakes and other deadly animals. He also witnesses what looks like a moose or an elk in the distance that was looking at him walked off in the direction of the rabbits and other wildlife. As he gets in the vehicle though, both my parents and his father describe seeing a tall man crouched in front of the car all of a sudden, wings draped over his back. As he stands and faces them, his wingspan was wide enough to cover the entire two-lane road. He then lifted off of the ground in four swooshes. They described him as muscular, six or an eight-pack, broad shoulders, arms and legs. But the face? The face was apparently mesmerizing. 
They said that it was hard to describe his face, but it wasn't human. Based on what they said, it sounded a lot like a man bird. The Mothman was a topic of discussion for them to decide if it was the Mothman, so I guess it probably resembled something like this. If anyone has had any similar stories about this creature or from this area, then please do share it with me because I really want to try to understand exactly what they say they saw. This happened when I was 16, maybe 17, in the woods of Leelanor County, Michigan. So I was on vacation with family in northern Michigan when we visited a family friend who had lived in the center of the county in a dense forest. I remember when we pulled up the road the house was on was a gravel road instead of a paved road. I remember looking down the gravel road and seeing it go down a hill and turn to the left in the forest. A few hours passed by and I decided to go and check out where the gravel road went. I remember feeling extremely nervous because we were in black bear country as I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and never really experienced bears before. When I got into the top of the hill, I remember hearing birds chirping and lots of frogs croaking. The forest felt alive, I guess is what I'm saying, and I did not feel terribly unsafe, only nervous because of the possible presence of bears. As I started walking down the hill, I started whistling the Hunger Games four-tone whistle. And as I got midway down the hill, I noticed that the birds and the frogs stopped making noise, and the forest fell silent. At this point, my instincts kicked in, and I knew that something was wrong. I remembered learning that the forest goes silent when there's a predator around. Yet, I still kept going down the hill. I mean, I was determined to know what was at the bottom of it. I was still whistling the same four-tone whistle when I heard something whistle it back perfectly. It made the exact same sound that I made and it sounded very oddly humanoid, like there was a person watching me, a predator. I remember being frozen in fear just staring at the area of forest that it came out of before turning around and walking back up the hill. When the house came into view again, I sprinted until I got inside and I didn't leave anyone's eyesight for the rest of the night. Since then, I have not had any encounters like this and I've never been back to that area. I don't know if it was something paranormal or if perhaps there was an actual person watching me down there. Both equally terrify me to this day. But if anyone knows of any legends from northern Michigan, from that county then please do let me know because I have been thinking about this a lot. So I want to preface this by saying that I've always been more of a, a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I would consider myself one that leans more towards a grounded science view and one that wants to believe but would need to experience it myself to actually believe. I'm also aware that sharing this is going to yield some amount of confirmation bias since most here I would assume are going to lean towards believing, but maybe not, who knows. Anyway, a bit of background. My dad's side of the family lives in a home that eventually became the place of death of my nana. 
She went into hospice when her health deteriorated enough and eventually passed peacefully in her home on the first floor living room in a hospice bed that was set up specifically for her. Nothing weird ever really happened after this to my knowledge as well. Anyway, fast forward to a few years back, my dad has inherited the home and has moved back from across the country with a cat and has since adopted a second cat. Over a few years, I was able to work towards mending things with him, born of a complicated past. Just this summer though, his health took a rapid turn and he became essentially bedridden and a fall risk, so we sort of set up a bed for him downstairs in the same area that our nana was in. Unfortunately, he passed just a few days ago and I'm now grieving. He passed away not in the home, but in the hospital. It's also important to say that he was home literally the day before and in one day he went to the ER and he passed away the following early morning. I've been going over daily to start sorting through important paperwork and taking care of his cats. It was tough going into the house the first time and I always give a hey dad greeting coming in knowing that I won't get a reply but it's just part of being open and vulnerable in my healing and I did it prior to his death. And no, this story doesn't lead to hearing a, a greeting back or anything. But the first night there, just the prior night to sharing this and the encounter, was uneventful, but I bawled my eyes out at the foot of his bed and pretty much every room in the house as well. Before I left, I laid in his bed downstairs and the cats jumped up to join me for snuggles. This evening though, at 8pm, I went over and conducted some of the goals that I had, when the goals were done, I did what I did the previous evening and laid down in his bed. His two loving kitties joined me and I was sending texts to my mum. And this is when it happens. So I'm laying there and suddenly this full body chill just hits me. I'm in a tank top and athletic shorts, but I run hot and I've always been very warm in the house. Plus, I'd been moving around a lot just prior to laying down. Really, there was no reason to have chills. Anyway, I get the chills, literally covered in goosebumps head to toe, hair standing at attention every inch of my body. And right at this moment, which happened within seconds, both of the cats reacted like lightning fast and raised their heads and were looking like something startled them. Chills are one thing, right? But the reaction of two furry friends at the exact same time? This is what really sold it for me. All three of us laid there. I wasn't exactly scared and I don't scare easy these days, but it definitely had me shocked and rattled a bit, unable to process what the heck is happening, so it's difficult to articulate the exact emotion that I was experiencing. But I started to communicate as if it was my dad telling him how much I loved and missed him. But then I realized that maybe this is my nana. Then I pretty much just said, whoever this is. The whole time though I felt this full body feeling of something being there and the cats were also still more or less focused on whatever this thing had their collective attention on. One cat eventually got up to walk to the water bowl area and the other cat I think just sort of relaxed but I still had chills everywhere. After this I got up feeling a bit uncomfortable with the realization that my world and possibly entire system of non-belief was perhaps shattered at this moment. I had chills and bumps the entire time that I brought items to my truck outside, 
getting ready to leave and forget something inside. I was half expecting to see something when I went back in and was on the edge and moving a bit quicker at this point. So I said my goodbyes and departed, unable to explain or rationalize any of this. I shared this with my wife as soon as I got home and my four-month-old as well was staring wide-eyed looking captivated the whole time. It was actually pretty cute. I also will be sharing this with my mum and sister tomorrow and it simply texted them saying that something happened. I can't explain and I need to share this. But if you have any inputs or thoughts, questions or comments, then they're all welcome. Thanks for hearing me out. I guess I'm not as skeptical anymore and think that it was either my nana or, wishfully, my dad coming back to his home. And as a reminder, nana passed away in the home, but dad passed away in the hospital. He spent a lot of time in this very bed, though. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.